ready to find what Joyfully Ever After looks like for you? Then you, beautiful soul, are in the right place. I'm Heidi Esther, a professional speaker, storyteller, and joy coach. I empower women who take care of the world to break out of defeating emotional and thought loops to lead themselves to their own joy. Because I have the tools for self-leadership, and you, dear soul, have the answers inside. My Joyfully Ever After play shops and conversations center around one purpose, giving you support to lead yourself to more joy, either through new healing tools or stories from other wise souls or playful exercises to help you identify those annoying emotional and thought loops. Why Joyfully Ever After? I believe we helpers all have a God-given right to be at the table as equals, to fill ourselves up first and to cultivate our own joyful purposes because that's how we were made. And what if all of us helpers and world changers led relaxed, joyful lives of our own design? What if we didn't let guilt and worry rule over us like despotic rulers? What would the world look like? Would we save ourselves and then save the world? I think so. All right, let's learn how to save our days and create more joy no matter Hello, beautiful. How are you? And how are you taking care of yourself today? So, before we get into it, I want to let you know that um, if you have any questions about today's topic, which is the trauma triangle, uh, please put them in the chat and I will get back to you uh, with answers uh, or resources as soon as possible. How am I taking care of myself today? Well, um, I did not have to drop off my car today. Uh, They canceled on me like an hour before we were supposed to drop it off this morning. So um, I was like, okay, well that kind of screwed up like the whole schedule for my morning. So you know what I did? I said, all right, how can I make this right? So I asked them if when we rescheduled, if they can do like a full vacuum in a wash of the car. And they said, yes. So it's kind of like, all right, killing two boards with one stone. I don't even honestly like that metaphor. I'm going to just say two birds in the hand. Be or one bird in the hand, beast two in the bush. I don't know. I don't even know what that one is. But anyway, yes. So I was able to accomplish two things with one car drop off, which will not be happening. Did not happen this morning. So instead this morning, uh, I've been uh, really losing a lot of sleep lately because of my family schedule, trying to figure out how, like, what is my new bedtime that can help me feel great the next day. And I haven't found it yet. So I did a half hour of meditation this morning and, um, my tummy felt a little off after probably too much coffee, even though I only drink third calf. So, uh, I made myself some white rose tea. I know. 
It's like really delicious. Usually I go straight for the peppermint because peppermint is really good for your tummy and your digestion. And it's like a natural thing. So I'm not always popping those, um, what are they, those, those pills for um, upset stomach. So I'm not always popping all the meds. I'm just having the peppermint tea. But today, white rose tea. Would love to know how you are taking care of yourself today. All right, today is a topic that is near and dear to my heart because I have developed a super spidey sense for when it shows up in my life. It's the drama triangle. I even have a graphic to share with you um, about it, and I will put a link in the show notes if you are not watching this via video and so that you can see exactly what I am talking about with the drama triangle. So I want to share a little story. This is a drama triangle that's actually um, I witnessed uh, many, many, many times and I did not participate in. And then I'll talk a little bit about the very big drama triangle that I participated in for a very long amount of time. So this is an example conversation that my parents would have had when I was in like middle school and high school. So right when I went to middle school, right before I went to middle school, we moved to a new town. And soon after that, um, my my dad, I don't know, I don't remember what he used to do for working out, but uh, he would either try to get to work early and work out at the at the high school where he worked, or uh, at some point they got a membership to a gym. And a normal conversation would go like this. My dad would be like, hey, I think I'm going to go to the gym today and um, I'll be home at such and such time. My mom would kind of bristle. She she does. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you could tell she was not um, super happy about uh, my dad's decision. And she would say, well, I was hoping that we could do something this evening. We could watch the movie or we could watch this sports game. And you could tell my dad was like, <sighs> and so the longer he paused and then my mom would say like, oh, well, don't you have to also mow the lawn? And so she would put another request in there. So there'd be like two requests. Um, and then my dad would say, okay, all right, I'll, um, I'll come home from work and mow the lawn so that we can watch the game together this evening. So this happened countless and countless and countless and countless times. Uh, I don't even know how many workouts my dad missed, but it's probably a lot. So in my adult life, in my first marriage, I would work around my whole house. I would try to make it like calm and peaceful and chill. And I would also organize my days to make my kids calm and peaceful and chill when my, for when my husband came home. I don't know if I consciously did that, but I did it under the guise of just trying to make everything nice for dad. Gonna try to, you know, I'm the stay-at-home mom. Dad's the one with the, you know, 
income who's covering all the expenses. So let's make everything nice for dad. So let's make sure the kids have a lot of activity and they're kind of tired and give them a little food. So not too cranky at the dinner table. Right. Um, and make sure they're, they're relatively clean and they have like fresh clothes on. And so just kind of making everything super chill and nice for dad for when he comes home, have a hot meal ready to go for when he comes home. Okay. Uh, this pattern repeated itself for years. I'm pretty sure this pattern repeated itself even before I had kids. Um, I was in charge of everything, the finances, the house, uh, everything but uh, the, the kitchen, the cooking stuff, because uh, my ex-husband loved to cook. And so I would sous chef him. And I would, did I sous chef him? I don't remember. And I would clean up and he would just do the cooking. And that's what we did. So, um, was this just me being me? Was this just my dad being my dad? What is going on in these scenarios? It is a dysfunctional communication style that we learn how to do and we get roped into called the drama triangle. I know. The drama triangle. It's serious, but it's also, it also, you know what it doesn't have? It does not have any joy. The two main things that people feel on the triangle are guilt and blame. I don't know about you, um, but, you know, underneath all those, both of those is the big shame. And so we are being controlled by our shame triggers or my first therapist, who is also my pastor at the time, would call it. We are just filling up our shame buckets, filling up the shame buckets constantly when we're in the drama triangle. All right. So I am going to share my screen with a little graphic for you. And we are going to talk over... this. There, there you go. Let's see if I can do this full image view, full screen. There we go. Okay. The drama triangle. So there are lots of different roles. There are three different roles in the drama triangle, thus the name triangle. So let's take my parents' example. So my dad would say, hey, honey, I'm going to go to the gym today. And my mom would say, oh, she would, you know, be, she would bristle. She would bristle. And she would move over into that persecutor realm. And she'd say, oh, but we, we're going to, we were going to watch the game tonight. If you work too, you know, if you work out too much, you can't watch, we can't watch the game together. And so my dad probably feeling a little guilty over. So my mom was blaming my dad and my dad would feel, so he'd be in the victim, right? She's moving him into the victim role and he would feel guilty about wanting to go work out instead of have spending time with his wife. And so he would say, I'll save the day. And he will pivot himself over to the rescuer um, and say, okay, honey, 
I'll stay home and do the, I'll do the lawn and then we'll watch the game. And so, right. And then he still feels bad, right? He still feels bad that he didn't get to work out. So, um, yeah. So he moves over into the rescuer column. And so, right. And that's a win lose. It's always a drum triangle is always a win lose. Always, always, always. If you're in the drum triangle, there is no win win scenarios. There are no win win scenarios. So my mom puts my dad in victim mode. He said, No, I'll save you. I'll save our knight and he'll rescue. Okay. So when we get really, really good at knowing when we're in the drama or, or, or at the drama triangle, we don't even know it, right? Drama triangle is very unconscious. Um, then we put ourselves in it without anybody else having to even be in it because we've been in it before. So my ex would sometimes have a temper. Uh, if the kids were too loud at dinner um, or if dinner took too long to get on the table, uh, if the kids were kind of being annoying, um, if the house was kind of like a wreck. So he, you know, he would make a comment. It didn't even have to be angry. It just had to be some kind of a comment that would make me feel bad. So then I developed a set of behaviors that kind of like the walking eggshell situation, right? That I said, all right, I am going to rescue my day. I'm going to make everything great. And so I would can I would completely contrive my environment to make it the most chill possible so that my ex, the persecutor, didn't come out. So I already put myself in this self-effacing role of the rescuer without actually anything, my ex having to do anything, right? And so it becomes this invisible triangle that we're trapped in, right? And I'd always have this like pain in my lower back and I would wonder like, what's going on um, with that pain? It's just because like, it was reminding me, my back was reminding me, hey, it's time to sign up, you know, how are we going to rescue the day, right? Totally different than being self-aware and um, being able to say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. This is not what I'm going to do, right? No, there's no choice. We just have unconscious reactions based on our, um, what we learn to do uh, to, to make the world a better place and how we learn to communicate. So. Um, people can go around and round, like say you're having a fight and someone's like, well, you didn't do, um, you didn't take out the dishes last night. And, and then that person's a persecutor trying to make the other person, the victim, like they didn't do their chores. And then the victim's like, well, I didn't see you cleaning up your room on time last week. Right. So that victim's like, I'm not going to deal with that. And so that victim moves over into persecutor mode and puts the persecutor into a victim mode, right? And so, and then that persecutor doesn't want to be victim. And, and so they're like, you know what? Well, I'm just going to clean the whole house because I'm the, you know, I'm the only one who is worth anything around here, right? And so that person's kind of like the persecutor, kind of like, 
moving into rescuer mode, right? And so they spend the whole their whole weekend resentfully cleaning up the house, right? And then eventually, because they, you know, they they feel bad about you know not not doing their stuff and trying to get the other person. And the other person who you know they victimize, they're like, well, no, I'm gonna also do it too. So you have two people resentfully cleaning up the house, filling up the house with. Like it's clean, but it's also completely full of all of those negative emotions, all that negative energy. And so you have people just going round and round and like people who go round and round with little digs on each other. That's people like persecutor nudges, right? They're just nudging people like, oh, not like you, blah, blah, blah. So little persecutor nudge, move people, you know into victim mode and then the victims a lot of times they you know pop back into saying no well blah blah blah. so they either move into persecutor because that's the kind of point of more um you know vocal power or they're like um or they have to do something completely self-effacing so guilt and blame with the bottom big layer of shame i would say the feelings parfait of the trauma triangle is guilt, blame, and shame. None of these emotions, of course, anything even remotely close to the joy spectrum. All right, so I'm going to go back to not sharing my screen and pop back in. Okay. So that is the drama triangle in a nutshell. So they used to talk about how, how to get, how to get out, how to get out of the drama triangle. I think it's beautiful. Uh, someone did an analogy of the drama triangle is kind of like a big hurricane. And where is the peace in a hurricane? In the eye. Where is the peace in the drama triangle? In the center right? Still saying, staying with what has to be said, but being able to not get triggered by the drama triangle. Okay. It, um, as someone who prides themselves on being a helper and taking care of my own little corner of the world, Yes, it was very hard for me to let go of rescuing the situation, right? Letting things lie. So how do we find ourselves at the, in the eye? So I have um, the big, the first thing. So there's, there's my ACE method that I like to use. Um, but the first thing you need to do is recognize that you might be in a conversation you can't win. It's just kind of infuriating and annoying and it happens over and over again. So that is the first big trigger is right? awareness, 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 awareness. Um, the second is understanding that you have to let go of what people think about you to get out of the drama triangle. Because there's only one way to the calm center of the drama triangle, and it's through being perceived as the persecutor. People going to perceive you as the bad guy for not saving them, for giving up, whatever, whatever they say. We got to like, boop, let it go. 
So step one is realizing that the only way to the center of that drama triangle is through the persecutor. You got to let go of what people think about you. Because what's more important than what people think about you? One, what you think about you. Two, your sanity. Sanity. It's not just, you know, it's not just a word. It's like, it's like a whole feeling and a way of life. Sanity. So, like, um, what could I have done? I could have made my days with my kids however I wanted them. Instead of trying to make everything okay so that, my ex-husband's persecutor did not get triggered. And if he came home and yelled, it's not my fault, right? I was taking on his responsibility. I was trying to, to control him, right? Control his behavior and make him happy all the time. You know what? Not everybody's happy all the time. Not even this joy coach. That reminds me, I got a mug that says, be the sunshine. And I wish it had said, and the rain on the back, but it just says, be the sunshine. But you can't be the sunshine all the time. That's just not how it works. We won't know about how good sunshine is until we, you know, get doused in some, uh, some hurricanes and some downpours. That's just how it goes. So there are three main components that I use to cultivate. Um, staying out of the trauma triangle. So. First, we have to be okay with whatever people think about us. Just let that go. You have to let go of what other people think about you. And then you have to find out what feels right for you in that scenario. What feels right? Do you really want to go to the end of season archery party for three hours and learn how to do archery? Or do you just want to go for like a half hour? See if there's anyone to connect with. Maybe grab a cupcake and then your daughter will text you, you know, in two and a half hours. Yeah. And if your daughter says, oh, mom, I wish you'd stay. But deep down, you know, she's not going to be staying next to you. She's a teenager. She's going to be like going all around. She's not going to be like, you know, introducing you to all of her people. You got to take care of you. So uh, the ACE method. Assertive ACE, A-C-E, assertiveness, compassion, even when people are being a-holes, compassion, and E for equality. So assertiveness. So not aggressiveness, not yelling back, but, but standing up for ourselves, being assertive, not being aggressive, not yelling and blaming and pointing. And holding grudges, even if we're really good at holding grudges. Um, C for compassion, understanding their side of the story. Like putting yourselves next to them. And E for equality, understanding that we are no better or worse than anybody else on this spinning rock in the sky. We are all, we all have the same address. We're all here together doing our best. E for equality. So cultivating the assertiveness, compassion, and equality for the other person in that moment, as well as realizing that you have to let go. You still have to let go of what they're thinking about you. You can develop compassion for them. Very, very important. Compassion for ourselves, compassion for others. But we're not going to require that of the other person, right? They might perceive us as the bad guy. 
So that is how we get out of the drama triangle. Sometimes people will cut us out when we come out of the drama triangle. People don't know how to communicate outside of that. If you really want to stay in that relationship, you're going to have to be assertive. You're going to have to be prepared to be seen as the bad guy. You develop that assertiveness, the compassion for being in the other person's shoes, as well as equality, knowing that we are no better or worse than anyone else. So, all right. Well, I hope, I hope that clarified some things for you. I would love to know. Yeah, the drama triangle. It's a real thing. And I would say I spent the majority of my pre-awareness days in lots of different drama triangles, in friendships, relationships, etc. Lots of guilt and blame and shame going on. And before I go, we are going to do the snowman of affirmation because who doesn't love a good affirmation? So whether or not you're listening to or watching this, here we go. I'm going to go with pink because I am wearing a pink shirt today. Your affirmation as you figure out the drama triangles in your life. Ah, I love and proud of my past self. Even when we... You know, all those different times that that we were duped into or we initiated drama triangles. I I love and I'm proud of my past self. I was doing my best and I forgive myself. That's what you can say. You're doing your best and it's time to forgive and love your past self. So much there to be proud of, honestly. Okay, wait before you go. So I've been there in the trenches doing and being for everybody else. I stumbled through a dozen years of loss, grief, growth, and healing. In the end, I discovered something miraculous, my joyful purpose. I combined this transformational journey to joy with decades of experience as a professional relationship builder, veteran storyteller, and mama. Or you can think of me as if Captain Marvel and Mr. Rogers had a baby who loved baking chocolate chip cookies. So back to you. Go to HeidiEster.com forward slash steps today to download the five big steps of self-leadership that will get you jump-started on the path to joy. Sending you much love, light, and laughter. Until next time, I'm Heidi Esther.